Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing cadmium and lead in dark chocolate. And are Wegovi and Ozempic a threat to the food industry? Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a bit of a story that combines um, two things that we cover here at X Talks, which is, you know, life science and, of course, food, since this is the food podcast. But I know we've spoken extensively about what I'm going to talk about um, on the life science podcast and just on, you know, uh, X-Talks in general. So I'm sure you've heard of them before. We have very popular weight loss drugs, Wagovi and Ozempic. Um, And I'll just clarify that Ozempic is approved for type 2 diabetes treatment, but is often used for... um, off-label weight loss as well. So these two drugs continue to gain traction in the U.S., but a result of that is that Americans could potentially reduce their purchases of high-calorie snacks and food. So this is where, you know, the food industry angle comes in. And while it's a little bit too early to tell at this point, this shift has the potential to profoundly transform the food industry, and it's catching the attention of investors and industry leaders. So before diving a little deeper into the potential effects on the food industry, let's just first break down these drugs a little bit. So they're classified as GLP-1 drugs, um, Wagovia and Ozempic. They, tr- they replicate a hormone that signals fullness to the brain, pushing people, even those on diabetes medications, to consume less and opt for healthier dietary selections. Originally designed for type 2 diabetes management, many now see Wagovia and Ozempic as a breakthrough for weight loss, frequently consulting their medical practitioners. And this massive demand, which has been partly driven by social media and celebrities allegedly taking the drugs, has led to shortages. Now, the food industry has slowly but surely become aware of the potential impact of weight loss drugs. Recently, Walmart's U.S. CEO told Bloomberg that consumers using Ozempic tend to purchase fewer groceries, and this insight was derived from Walmart's analysis of its pharmacy and grocery data. So they're sort of uniquely positioned to have this data from both um, you know, their pharmacy and their grocery side, so I thought that was really interesting. And PepsiCo also commented on this trend recently during a financial update. While the beverage and snack giant showed strong financial growth in this recent quarter, it questioned the narrative that Wagovi and Ozempic might cause a market dip. However, the typically stable PepsiCo stock has dropped by almost 13% in half a year, reflecting larger trends in the food sector. Shares of Mondelez International as well, who are responsible for products like Chips Ahoy and Oreo, have fallen nearly 11% over the past six months. Food giant Nestle has seen a 15% dip in the same period and even announced plans to develop products similar to Wagovi and Ozempic amidst concerns that they could reduce food consumption and impact profitability. 
And like I said, while it's still too early, major food players and investors are observing this phenomenon. In a comprehensive report this summer, a group of 17 experts from Morgan Stanley discussed the potential impact of obesity medications on food demand and the possible transformation of the food landscape. The firm anticipated that over the next decade, about 7% of the U.S. population, which equates to 24 million individuals, might use drugs like Wagovi and Ozempic. And those on these medications medications are projected to reduce their caloric intake by roughly 20%. So by 2035, this could account for 1.3% of the total calorie consumption. So thus, if this trend continues, a rise in the adoption of these weight loss medications could decrease the demand for foods high in calories, fats, and sugars, affecting both household groceries and fast food chains. So is the success of the snack and fast food industry, though, intrinsically linked with overweight consumers? Well, with these weight loss drugs influencing stock prices, there's a risk that these companies may be perceived as unhealthy food promoters if consumers start slimming down. And if this phenomenon persists, food companies would need to reposition themselves from just being food suppliers to being partners for those on weight loss journeys in a possibly shrinking market. So as Wagovi and Ozempic and others like it become more common, factors such as regulatory challenges, adoption procedures, and costs will possibly limit their extensive use. But only time will tell, um, you know, the true impact on the food industry. And nevertheless, though, it's evident that they're causing unease among food industry stakeholders and investors. So, Vera, I'm very curious to know, you know, what you thought about this um, from both, you know, just a scientific perspective, but also as a consumer of food, like like the rest of us. Um, you know, since we have talked about these weight loss drugs before on the life science side, had you ever really sort of linked linked it to its impact on the food industry, or is the was this sort of like a new thought um, that came to mind? Yeah, Sydney, that was totally a new thought for me because I never connected it to anything in the food industry or any food industry trends. I never connected the two industries at all. But you're right that Wigovia and Ozempic are making a huge impact. Um, I, you know, we'll see their sales numbers next year, but I think it's going to be phenomenal. And actually, I was in um, like the drug mart or the pharmacy the other day and you know, I was at the counter and then I just had a look at the fridge behind them and it was all Ozempic boxes wow. for people to pick up. It was just filled, just Ozempic. And um, so I know there is like very high demand for these new drugs. And um, I think it was an interesting analysis you brought up by like companies like Walmart. You're saying that they noticed that like um, consumers who would get those kinds of um, drugs, specifically, you know, Ozempic or Wagovi, they would buy less um, f food, was it? Or, or mm -hmm. junk food in particular. So I think that's an interesting trend, but I think it's only going to be like, sh like a short-term trend. I don't see it being a long-term trend. What do you think? Yeah, it also really depends, um, you know, how long people stay on these medications too. Like we're only at the like beginning of of analysis in terms of in terms of this trend like these drugs have just started to take off um i don't know if the intent and obviously the intent for all individuals will be different but i don't know if people on these drugs 
should be on them long term or if it's more of a short term solution and then, you know, you start developing different habits while you're on them um, and then maybe those habits last, maybe they don't. Um, I, I agree, though, I, I think it's either like going to be short term or we just won't ever be able to gather enough data to make a true correlation because um, I agree. Like I think the Walmart correlation was interesting since they have, you know, they, they can get these insights from their consumers, but you know, for companies, for the other companies I was talking about that, you know, their stocks went down in the last like six months, like Pepsi, um, Oh, sorry, not Pepsi, but um, Mondelez and Nestle, you know, those dips, we can't just attribute them to people on weight loss drugs. Obviously, there are so many other factors. And when we're dealing with all of these factors, it is hard to know for sure where they're coming from. So, um, yeah, I agree. It's It, it might be short-lived. Um, and I think there's always, always, always going to be a demand for junk food and just food in general. So I wouldn't be too nervous if I was a, you know, the Nestle CEO. Um, I think I think they're going to be just fine. Um, but it's it is interesting to sort of link them together because I hadn't really thought about it before either. Or maybe companies like, you know, PepsiCo and other ones, maybe they can launch um, new like better for you snack options mm -hmm. or something to cater right. to those individuals who are on on these um on these type of medications because i think these drugs they're also like appetite suppressants right mm -hmm. so not only are people losing weight and then eating less but they're eating less because they have less of an appetite mm -hmm. right and i think so. they're also like craving less of those high calorie high sugar high fat foods uh just because it may not like if they've tried it it may not sit well with them while they're on these medications so they are less inclined to want to eat them and i think even before the um you know wagovia nozempic trend i think that um major food companies did recognize the the demand for better for you products so i think this like you know with this in mind i think they can capitalize on that even more all right moving on to our next story so we've got the holiday season coming up and that usually means that there's going to be a boost in chocolate consumption whether it be white milk or dark and it's various various formats so Dark chocolate, though, it's often perceived as the healthier treat, and many are unaware, though, of the potential heavy metals that it might harbor. So last year, consumer reports revealed that dark chocolate could contain cadmium and lead, metals known to cause health issues. And this year, with a broader scope, um, Consumer Reports, or CR, offers a deeper dive into this matter and answers the question, are cadmium and lead in dark chocolate a serious concern? So we all know that cocoa is the heart and soul of chocolate, giving it its characteristic taste, um, but it's also where these heavy metals predominantly reside. And with dark chocolate usually having a higher cocoa content, it's more susceptible. But notably, other chocolate variations from milk chocolates with minimal cocoa to dense cocoa powder aren't exempt either. So in its pursuit of clarity, CR tested 48 different products spanning seven categories, namely cocoa powder, chocolate chips, milk chocolate bars, dark chocolate bars, brownie mixes, chocolate cake mixes, and hot chocolate. So brands ranged from the globally recognized like Hershey's and Nestle to retailers like Costco and Walmart, and even specialized brands such as Drost and Navitas. So the central theme 
cadmium and lead in dark chocolate. And these results were somewhat expected. Dark chocolates had higher heavy metal content, particularly cadmium and lead. And while milk chocolates showed lower levels, James E. Rogers, who is the director and acting head of product safety testing at CR, pointed out that every product CR tested had detectable amounts of cadmium and lead. And though some products did cross CR's threshold for concern regarding these heavy metals, safer alternatives in each category were also identified. So they didn't just point out the bad, they pointed out some some better alternatives. So cadmium, lead, and other heavy metals aren't exclusive to chocolates. They're actually pretty omnipresent in other foods, like rice, fish, spinach, and even drinking water. But the danger escalates with cumulative intake from multiple sources. Particularly concerning is chocolate's popularity across age groups. So reducing its heavy metal content seems pretty imperative. And heavy metal exposure can inflict the most damage on children and during pregnancies. It can lead to developmental delays, behavioral problems, and brain damage. And adults aren't immune either. Continuous exposure to lead can cause kidney damage, reproductive issues, and more. Um, We also have talked about in the past, especially concerning kids, um, that heavy metals in baby food uh, was, was quite a concern and how the FDA sort of plans to address and lower lead levels in baby food. But the presence of lead in dark chocolate isn't just an occasional risk, it's a persistent concern given that cocoa plants absorb cadmium from soil and lead can deposit on cocoa beans from external sources. So let's talk about how CR, you know, did their testing. So they tested for cadmium, lead, mercury, and arsenic in various chocolate products. Unfortunately, none of the products indicated risks from arsenic or mercury. The primary concern revolved around cadmium and lead in dark chocolate, though. So for benchmark... For benchmarks, CR referred to California's maximum allowable dose levels, or MADL, for these metals since no federal limits exist. It's crucial to note that the tests were not about legal compliance, but more about revealing products with relatively higher metal levels. So for dark chocolate enthusiasts, CR's findings showed a mixed bag of results. Out of seven dark chocolate bars tested, five, or 71%, surpassed CR's threshold for cadmium lead or both. Some safe bets were Divine 70% Deliciously Smooth Dark Chocolate and Sam's Choice Dark Chocolate 85% Cocoa. So I think the latter of those is a store brand. Um, And then contrarily, uh, bars like Nestle's uh, Perugina Premium Dark Chocolate posed concerns. And Nestle's response emphasized its compliance with regulatory requirements, including those for lead and cadmium. Of course, it would go on the defense. Um, and while chocolate remains an indulgent treat, it's crucial to be selective. The recurring theme of cadmium and lead in dark chocolate should encourage consumers to stay informed, choose wisely, and enjoy in moderation. So this was a relatively, you know, new discovery for me. Um, I hadn't really looked into, um, you know, the the health risks of dark chocolate. I, like many others, always perceive dark chocolate to be the healthier option. I think it's lower in calories and it often has more, I think, antioxidants or, or offers more um, uh, health benefits, I believe, than um 
than milk or, or white chocolate. So I had never really thought about there being risks to it, including heavy metals. But, you know, it's hard, cocoa, um, if it's absorbing um, these heavy metals from soil, uh, that's, that's pretty important. And then it also made me think about what other foods could po potentially harbor heavy metals that I hadn't thought about before. But we'll just focus on chocolate for the time being. So Vera, um, is this a risk that you knew about um, or was this new to you as well? Yeah, this is totally new to me. Like, I didn't know um, at all that these heavy metals would be found in chocolate. But, you know, like you said, it makes obviously more sense why they're found in higher amounts in dark chocolate, obviously because of the higher um, percentage of, um, how do you say it, cacao? I think cocoa. Cocoa. Um, okay. it, cacao is also a thing. I'm not sure if the two are the same things. Maybe they're just the same pronunciation, but I think, I think cocoa. Yeah, cocoa. Okay. Um, yeah, I think um, having maybe like two bites of dark chocolate a day or maybe like a quarter of a chocolate bar, it's not going to do anything to you um, because you're probably under the um, daily maximal allowable dosage of these mm -hmm. heavy metals. So I don't think people need to be concerned. And honestly, I don't think, um, I don't know many people that eat like dark chocolate on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that eat chocolate on a daily basis, but like the chances of it being solely dark chocolate are probably lower. Mm -hmm. And also it's not like you're eating like, you know, a pound of it a day. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, most people don't have to worry about that. But it's interesting that, um, you know, they contacted the food companies that had like really high amounts of cadmium and lead and their response was just like, yeah, we comply with all uh, regulations. Um, which of course they would say that, but still like, Maybe they should think about where are they sourcing their um, cocoa from and maybe mm -hmm. that area has like higher lead and cadmium levels in the environment. So there's a lot of factors that they should consider, I think, which they probably aren't. Mm -hmm. And one thing that, you know, is is maybe it's it's just concerning to hear about and, and deeper down it may not be that big of a deal, but that there are no federal regulations and that they were just going based off of California's um, regulations. And to me, I was like, oh, yes, of course, California would have these regulations since they're very on top of food safety and, and sort of vigilant about these things. But maybe on not to be a Nestle defender or, or a defender of these companies, but maybe they truly are complying with regulations that are, are set in place since there are no federal regulations like I don't know what regulations they are following or if they're being truthful they may not be um so do you think it is concerning that there aren't federal regulations for this yeah certainly I think the U.S. should have um them in place and I think you know California's law is a great place for them to start mm -hmm. right it's not like they have to do that much work they could just copy California's guidelines literally <laughs> right and right. put them in place right. federally Mm -hmm. And chocolate, you know, or cocoa rather, um, is, is one of those uh, products that notoriously has had issues um, in the public eye in terms of source and, and labor and just environmental factors. So it's already, you know, under pretty strict 
I guess, eyes are on it more so than maybe other produce or, um, you know, other things that you have to harvest. Um, and I guess this is just one more thing that um, companies need to like be more vigilant of. Uh, but yeah, it has a pretty hard, like tough history. And maybe this, like, you know, the heavy metal factor was just one um, that had been ignored for a while. And and you did point out too that, you know, most people don't have to worry about this unless you're yeah consuming it every single day and in large quantities then maybe. Uh, but otherwise you know, it's, you're probably going to be okay. I think it's just good to sort of know these things though, and just be vigilant that, um, you know, it could pose a risk. Um, and I appreciate, you know, CR for doing all this work and testing these chocolates and also providing alternatives, um, you know, that have, that meet those, that meet those, uh, thresholds. So I appreciated that they, you know, um, didn't just say it's all gloomy. Like there's, there are, there are better options. And I I thought it was interesting that the better options or some of them were, you know, store brand ones, the ones that tend to be like cheaper. Yeah. That's so strange to me how like different brands have different amounts. You would think Mm -hmm. that there'd be like one kind of average amount that everybody has, but Mm -hmm. I I think it really depends on the source of their cocoa then. It must. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. That's Mm -hmm. what I think. And, um, but I wanted to ask you, Sydney, like writing and researching about this, are you going to be more hesitant to eat dark chocolate now? That's a very good question. Uh, I'm one of those people who prefers milk uh, chocolate. So, however, I um, definitely enjoy like a high quality lint dark chocolate bar. Those are those are phenomenal. Um However, I think I'd probably have one of those only like once a year. So uh, just because of my personal taste, I don't need to worry about it. Um, However, with that in mind, though, um, knowing that milk chocolate isn't immune from having these, you know, any sort of lead or cadmium in it either, maybe I'll I'll be a little bit more vigilant. Um, But I think dark chocolate is the main concern um, if if you consume too much of it. Um, But yeah, I prefer milk and the and the lighter chocolates. Um, So lucky me, I guess. But (laughs) what about you? Do you like dark chocolate? Yeah, actually, I do really like dark chocolate. And like, you know, just thinking about like, you know, a dark chocolate fudge or a dark chocolate Mm -hmm. cake. I I absolutely love those. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, me and my mom, we generally, if we buy chocolate, we aim for dark chocolate just because it usually has less sugar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a reason. Like, I think a lot of people who want to lower their sugar consumption go with that option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, like we don't eat more than, you know, like 20 grams of it. Just some something to put in your mouth, you know, like a little snack. Mm-hmm. But now that I know, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more risk adverse to dark chocolate. Um, just because, you know, like there's no benefit to having lead or cadmium in your diet. No. <laughs> it's, it's not like it's not like magnesium, you know, where you can take right. magnesium supplements. This is like there's no benefit of this. It's only detrimental. So, right. yeah, I think I will be a little bit more um, aware of how much I'm having. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just one of those lessons of, um, you know, since I thought it was a healthier option and, and, and in terms of the nutritional profile, it certainly still is, but I think it just is a good lesson in, in just like 
doing a little bit more research and, and diving a bit deeper into things that we perceive as healthy, similar to, oh, saying like, oh, just because it's like natural or, or naturally occurring, that means it's healthy. That's not always the case. So I think this is just a good like lesson in, in there's always a little bit more um, under the surface level that we we may not know about and, and we could always look into a bit more. And I think for children especially, I mean, this is it's more important for sure since it can have much more detrimental impacts on kids. Hopefully there aren't too many children dark chocolate connoisseurs out there. Um, I think it has always been more of an adult um, delicacy than it is for kids, since I think they tend to prefer um, the lighter chocolates like myself. But yeah, definitely good to note and just be be aware of if, uh, you know, if you consume a lot of dark chocolate. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.